Open your Bibles to John chapter 10 tonight. John chapter 10 tonight. Can a saved person ever be lost again? Can a person that has trusted Jesus for their salvation and by faith they are saved ever lose their salvation, reject their salvation, turn from their salvation? Can they ever be lost again? And does the answer matter? I've heard people say, maybe you have as well, that we should believe that you can't, but we should act like you can. I don't know, is that good advice? Uh, Is that reasonable advice? Does the answer matter? If so, tonight, why does it matter? Did you know the majority of denominations that profess faith in Jesus believe that you can lose your salvation. In fact, the majority of them, the broad majority, believe that you can lose your salvation, either through some sin or accumulation of sin or in some form of rejection. Well, tonight we've got a lot of questions to answer, but I want to tell you the best question is, what does the Bible say about the matter? Uh, I hear folks and they say the Baptist belief of once saved always saved. Folks will say, well, you have the Baptist belief of once saved, always saved. Well, I want to tell you tonight, and you can go ahead and take it to the bank, and you can tell the bank that you heard it here, um, it will profit us nothing to be Baptist followers of Jesus Christ. Well, we want to be our biblical followers of Jesus Christ. And so listen, the question in all matters and the question at all times is what has God said in his word? What does the Bible say? In our study in the Gospel of John, we are answering the question and we're actually getting an answer over and over to the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? God and John wants us to be certainly certain, wants us to be surely sure, wants us to be confidently confident in the truth of Jesus. Now, we have seen in our study that there is no room for error. Well, at the same time, it is also the mission of God in John's account that we would know the gospel of Jesus. Again, that we would be certainly certain, that we would be surely sure, that we would be confidently confident that this is the truth of Jesus, that this is the gospel of Jesus, that this is the good news of Jesus. And once again, there is no room for error. Tonight our message is entitled, Safe Sheep in the Father's Fold. Safe Sheep in the Father's Fold. Tonight we're in John chapter 10. Tonight verses 22 through 30. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. Safe sheep in the Father's fold. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 22, God's Word says this. At that time, the feast of the dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. 
The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you're not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful again for you. We're thankful for our salvation. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for our blessed Savior, Jesus, tonight. And Lord, I pray that it is his truth that is preached, that it is his name that is exalted tonight. And I pray that this truly is a supernatural night tonight. I pray that you would speak. The name of Jesus will be known. The name of Jesus will be received. That the name of Jesus will be high and lifted up. Lord, we're thankful again for the night we've had, for the fellowship we've had, for the meal we've had. We're thankful for these that have gathered tonight and these that are listening in some other means. Lord, we pray, I pray that you bless them and encourage them. Lord, we, we just come and again praise you and worship you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, we're going to go to our verses, but before we do, I want to say tonight that we must know in whom we believe, and we must know what we believe. Now, that only makes sense. Listen to that again. Today, in these days, as followers of Christ, we must know in whom we believe, and we must know what we believe. Now, I watch and I look around, and we live in this loosey-goosey age where people come along and they say, well, you can believe anything or, or as long as you believe something. I hear that all the time. As long as you believe something, it, it doesn't matter whatever. And honestly, deep biblical truth is almost scoffed at today. Deep biblical truth, folks will say, well, we're not into all that. We're not into that heavy doctrine. That's too over the top for us. And it really is almost scoffed at today. Well, be very sure tonight, we must know in whom we believe, and we must know what we believe. And I'll just tell you this, and I'll make you a promise. And the more deeply that we do, the more that we will be blessed, and the more that we will be able to be a blessing to others. We need to know what we believe. All right, let's go to our verses, beginning in verse 22 tonight. At that time, the feast of the dedication took place at Jerusalem. Verse 22 takes place about two months, actually just a little bit more than two months, after the events of the preceding verses. That episode happened at the feast of tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, this now takes place at the Feast of the Dedication of the Temple. Uh, this feast is actually the modern celebration of Hanukkah. Uh, it celebrated the rededication of the Temple during the intertestamonial 
period. The period between the Old and the New Testament. That's easier to say. Um, it is not called for by God in the Old Testament. Uh, it was put in by the Jews to remember and to celebrate this event. So again, there's the rededication of the temple. And so this celebrated that event. Now, for the celebration, they did not have to travel to Jerusalem. Uh, however, some did travel to Jerusalem. And at this time, the Bible says that Jesus was there in Jerusalem. All right, verse 23. It was winter... And Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. At that time, the feast of the dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. Now, the word for winter here, uh, it actually translates the time of downpours. And so the Greek word's a little bit different than our understanding of winter. It was the time of downpours. Now it was during the winter months, but it is the rainy season there in this region. And so it says that Jesus, during this period of downpours, is walking in the temple in the portico. It actually means the, the porch of Solomon. That is a covered area. And so it makes sense during this time of rain that he is under a covered roof and he is walking in. The temple. Now, I want you to picture this tonight. This is a drab time. If it is not rainy, it is overcast, and it is most likely a cool and wet day. Uh, it is interesting. This event will be the last public teaching of Jesus. His public ministry that started there in Cana is now winding up. Many people are now found unbelieving. The cross is very soon to come, and it is a gray time. And so on this cold, overcast day, he is there on the temple grounds. Verse 24. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. The word for gathered around, it's much too nice in the English translation. Now, the word for gathered around, it literally means they closed in on him. And that's, that's really the better picture. They closed in on Jesus. They literally surrounded Jesus. And they say to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, the word plainly it means out in the open. And so they say, if you're the Christ, if you're the Messiah, why don't you tell us out in the open? Now, we need to be very sure here. This is not an interested inquiry. No, they were again trying to trap Jesus. They were saying, tell us here in the open, here where everybody can see it, that you are the Messiah. Now, understand, if he were to do this, uh, it would set off the, their plan to tell the Roman officials that he is declaring himself as king, that he is declaring himself as a political ruler. And so they're saying, here in front of everybody, go ahead and declare you're the Christ. And, and it would have set off their plan. Now they say here, if you are the Christ, tell us. 
They actually press in on Jesus, surround Jesus, and they say, if you are the Christ, tell us. Now I want you to think about this. In chapter 1, verse 51, he calls himself the Son of Man. It was a title for the Messiah. In chapter 2, verse 16, he calls the temple his father's house. In chapter 4, verse 26, he tells the woman at the well, speaking of the Messiah, I who speak to you am he. In chapter 5, verse 19, he says, I can do all the things that the Father does. He's claiming to be God. In chapter 5, verse 20, he says he has the same will as the Father, again, claiming to be God. In chapter 5, verse 21, he says he is the giver of life. Only God can give life. The Bible tells us that. He says he is the giver of life. In chapter 5, verse 22, he says he is the judge, and only God has the authority to judge. In chapter 6, verse 35, he says, I am, that is a claim to be God, I am the bread of life. In chapter 6, verse 40, he says that he again gives eternal life. In chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world, the light that gives life. In chapter 8, verse 24, he says, I am he, talking about the Savior. He says, by denying him, you will die in your sins. In chapter 8, verse 58, he says that he is eternal, existing even before Abraham. In chapter 10, he has told us he is the door of the sheep. If there's any way to be saved, it'll be through him. Again, in chapter 10, he tells us he is the good shepherd. Now, if that were not enough, on top of that, he has turned water into wine. He has healed the nobleman's son. He has healed the lame man, the crippled man, by the pool of Bethesda. He has fed a great multitude, a great multitude, not one time, but twice. He has walked on water. He has healed a man that was blind from birth. The Bible actually tells us that there are countless other miracles as well, all testifying that he is the Son of Man, the Son of God, the promised Messiah. And so see how ridiculous they say, why don't you tell us who you are? Why don't, why don't you tell us who you are? How ridiculous. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. Now, notice here in verse 25, he doesn't fall for their setup. They're getting him to say, I am the Christ, and they're going to seize him. He doesn't fall for their setup. He says, I've told you. I've told you who I am. He says, not only that, all of these miracles, they testify to who I am. Remember the other night I said, some people work harder at not believing than it would be to just see and to hear the evidence and to believe. There's folks that they, they work harder at not believing than it would be to say, you know what, I see all this, I hear all this, and I believe. Well, that's these folks. All right, verses 26 and 27. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. 
and I know them, and they follow me. He says his sheep know him. We found out it's an intimate knowledge. It's not just a passing knowledge. And he knows them. They, however, here's what he's telling them, they have rejected the truth of Jesus. They have denied the truth of Jesus. Now, it wasn't for a lack of hearing. They had heard the truth, but they have denied the truth of Jesus. For this reason, they are not his sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It is a picture here from that last festival. And you remember that, just the last two nights? The sheep know the shepherd. The sheep can discern his voice, and so they follow him. They obey his voice. All right, verse 28. Let me read 27 again. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says, my sheep, I give eternal life to them. Now listen to these words. They're all important. I give, Jesus says, I give eternal life to them. They did not earn it. He gives it. They did not somehow secure it. He gives it. Jesus is the light of the world, the light that gives the life. And here he says, he gives life eternal to them. Jesus gives eternal life to them. And then it says this, and they will never perish. And they will never perish. Once they have the gift, listen to me tonight, they will never. The word for never means never. It means not ever. It means at no time. There's not some time coming. It is never. They will never perish. He goes on and he says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The word for snatch, it's interesting. It means the wolf that would grab, no one will grab them, or the thief that would rob. Well, that's the things he's been talking about. He says, no one will grab them, no one will rob them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, I want you to see the picture here. This is the shepherd that holds the sheep. He is the good shepherd, and he keeps the sheep. Now listen, because he is the good shepherd, he does so in love. Because he is the great shepherd, he does so in power. And so he is the shepherd that will not fail at keeping the sheep. He says he doesn't lose not even one. He is the shepherd that does not fail at keeping the sheep. Verse 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Understand verse 29, salvation is God's work. It is given in God's grace. It is, it is secured in God's power. And Jesus says, my Father who has given them to me, it is his power, he says, is greater than all. That means there is no one greater. 
It means there is no one able, no one who can snatch them, tear them, or rob them out of the Father's hand. In verse 30, I and the Father are one. The word one is neuter. It means the same nature. It means the same essence. And so Jesus says, I and the Father, two persons are the same essence. That's what he's saying there. Two persons, we are the same God, singular God. It is talking about the unity of the Trinity. Here we have two members of the Trinity. And so I and the Father, two persons, they are one essence. They are one God. All right, there's the verses. Here's the truth tonight. Here's the truth of God's word. I want you to stay with me. Once a person is saved in the grace of God and in the power of God by faith in Jesus, they are forever saved. Do you hear that? That's the, that's the truth of God's word. I want you to be sure of that. I want you to remember that. Maybe you need to write that down tonight. Once a person is saved in the grace of God and in the power of God by faith in Jesus, they are forever saved. Listen to me tonight. They cannot and they will not ever be lost Again, that is the truth. That is what these verses say. That is what the whole of Scripture says. That is the testimony of the Word of God. Once a person is saved, they are forever saved. Now, let me tell you something. There are some that do not like that. There are some that do not agree with that. And I think, why? First off, we know that people fall into sin. You know what? We sin as believers. We have, we have, we have times we sin. And there's folks that say, well, we fall into sin. You must not be saved. Why don't people like that? There are people that seem to turn away from God. And we know folks that they seem to turn away from God. And so we say, well, there must be some mistake here. I think one of the greatest reasons is because there are some people that believe that if we teach this, it will encourage people to sin. And if you tell folks once they're saved, they're always saved, they'll all run back to sin. There are some that say there are verses in Hebrews that say that if we come to repentance and fall away, and they, they say, well, these verses here, say that you can fall away. Well, if you'll keep reading the verses, it says if you can fall away, you can never come back. That's not what the verses are saying. The verses are saying you cannot fall away. Here's the truth tonight. Listen very carefully. Once a person is truly saved, they are always saved. Listen, once a person is truly saved, they are always saved. Here's the question. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? What's the big deal? Can't we just say, whatever, it's fine. We're trusting Jesus. Why does it matter? I'm going to end tonight, and I, I was working on this this afternoon. Let me just tell you, I'm going to end tonight, and I'm going to show you what I don't know that I ever heard in a sermon. 
And I don't know why that is. I don't know why if people were heading in some different direction or if they were, they were scared to talk about it. But I want to end tonight, because it matters, I want to show you tonight why it matters what we believe, why it matters that this is the biblical truth. Now, stay with me. I'm going to show you why it matters. First reason is this. Why does it matter? First reason, the reason is for the peace of the believer, for the peace of the believer. Now, listen to me. Jesus says he gives us peace not as the world gives. Now, think about that. Stay with me. Jesus says, I give you peace, not as the world gives. Now, listen, the world's peace comes and goes. Have you figured that out? The world's peace is always built upon your situation. And so you can be walking along, and you can have the world's peace, and all of a sudden, there can be a sudden death, and your peace is gone. You can be walking along, and you have the world's peace, and all of a sudden, there's some financial ruin, and your peace is gone. All of a sudden, there's this bad diagnosis, and you're walking in peace, and all of a sudden, your peace is gone. The world's peace is based upon a situation. You can lose it. But Jesus says, listen, he gives peace not as the world gives. Do you know there is no peace if you do not have this settled. I'm going to tell you what, there's no peace if you do not have this settled. You'll go through life and you'll say, well, did I sin too much? Well, I don't know, that sin may have been over the line. Is this sin too grievous? Or you may come along and say, well, my walk doesn't look like their walk and I don't know what my walk, how it measures up and so there's no way that I'm saved. There is no peace without this settled. Listen to me. That doesn't mean he's giving us peace in our sin. It means he's giving us peace in him. Well, you might start sinning again. You are anyway. Well, you might flock to that sin. You might do those things. Listen, he doesn't give us this that we would have peace in our sin. He gives us this that we would have peace in him. There is peace in Jesus when you know it is finished in Jesus. There is peace in Jesus when you know it is finished in Jesus. Why does it matter? The first reason is because of the peace of the believer. The peace of the believer. Why does it matter? The second is this, the promise of Jesus. Why does it matter? The promise of Jesus. Stay with me. What does Jesus promise when we believe in him? What does Jesus promise when we believe in him? Verse 28 says, I give them eternal life, this chapter. John chapter 3, verse 16, the words of Jesus, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. The promise of Jesus, when we believe, is eternal life. Now listen, remember, eternal life is talking about quality. It's talking about abundant life. It's talking about a joy-filled life, but it is also talking about quantity. Eternal life, by definition, has no end. Eternal life, by definition, 
has no end. I want you to hear that. Eternal life does not end. And Jesus says here, I give them eternal life. If I give you something, you have it. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, you have eternal life. John chapter 3 verse 36, the believer has eternal life. Jesus says, I've given them a gift. They have eternal life. If you have it, you possess it. So if you have life that does not end, here's a question. When will it end? If Jesus says, I promise you, I give you life that does not end, when does it end? When you sin again? When your sin is big again? Folks, the promise of Jesus is by faith in him you have eternal life. It does not end. Listen to me. To say otherwise is a contradiction to what Jesus says. To say otherwise is to call Jesus a liar. He says, I've given you and you have life that does not end. If you do not have life that does not end, you do not have what Jesus promised. And to have what Jesus promised, we receive it in faith. The first thing, why does it matter? It matters for the peace of the believer. Second thing, it matters for the promise of Jesus. The promise of Jesus. The third reason it matters tonight is because of the power of God. The power of God. Look at verse 29 again. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Now, I want you to go with me again. God in his grace and in his power saves us. Who saves us? God does. Who makes us new in Christ? God does. Who clears our record in forgiveness? God does. God saves us. It is done in his power. Well, it is God's power that saves us, so therefore it is God's power that keeps us saved. That's what these verses are saying. It is God's power that saved us. You didn't do anything. And so it is God's power that keeps us saved. To say any different tonight is to say that God is not faithful or God is not powerful or both. To say any different is to say that he who began a good work in you was not powerful or was not faithful enough to see it to the end. It matters tonight because of God's power. The fourth reason, the fourth thing, why does it matter? It matters for the peace of the believer. It matters because of the promise of Jesus. It matters because of the power of God. Here's the fourth thing. It matters because it is the provision of the gospel. It is the provision of of the gospel. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. We just saw that it is God's work and it is God's power. Listen, we, we are saved in faith. But then if we have to start doing things to stay saved, and, I, and I'm talking about anything, if we have to start doing some things to stay saved, if we have to stay saved by not doing some things, it puts it back on us. And it is no longer a salvation of grace through faith in the power of God. It becomes 
a salvation of works. You understand that? If you got to do something to stay saved, if you got to quit something to stay saved, if you got to keep these rules to stay saved, it is no longer a salvation of grace through faith in Jesus. It is now a salvation of works, and you have to work to stay saved. Get this, I'm going to just tell you. What that means is it changes the gospel. Well, is this a big deal? Well, it is if you, if you don't mind changing the gospel. Do you see how big that is? Do you see how huge that is? It changes the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is one gospel. We are saved by embracing the truth of the gospel. To say God can't keep us saved, to say I've got to do something to stay saved, is to say, God, you're not strong enough, and Jesus, your work wasn't final enough. And it's to actually tell God, God, I will take it from here. It actually changes the gospel. Let me, let me tell you something now. We're about done. I know people, and their belief set has said they can lose their salvation. And maybe it's in sin, and maybe it's in some, some form of rejection. But I know people, and they believe they can lose their salvation. And I watch those folks, and they're working, and they're working, and they're working, and they're grinding, and they're grinding, and they're grinding, and it's never enough, and there's no peace, and it's never enough, and they're not sure, and they have to go through life saying, well, I don't know if I've done enough wrong. I don't know if I've done enough good. I don't know where I stand with God, and they have no peace, and they're grinding, and they're grinding, and they're grinding. Many times I watch those folks, and they say, I can't do this any longer. I'm not good enough to be a believer. There's no way God would put up with me. There's no way I can stay in this and they're crushed and they're guilt and they're crushed on the treadmill of trying to get it right and they walk away in discouragement. Friends, let me tell you something. Here's the good news. It is finished in Jesus. It is finished in Jesus in his grace, in his love, in his power. He saves us. You aren't good enough to get saved. You're not good enough to stay safe. It is in the grace of a risen Savior, Jesus. It is finished in Jesus. Now that's good news. If your gospel doesn't give you peace, you better go back to the Bible and check it against the gospel. It is finished in Jesus. Here's the good news. You can settle it right now. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know what God thinks of me. I don't know. I got so many things. If you knew what they were, God knows. Listen, you can settle it today. You can settle it today. It is finished in Jesus. Let's pray. During Father, we come, we're thankful for today. We're thankful for your truth. I'm thankful for a gospel and a savior that, that, are, that bring peace. I'm thankful for a, for a gospel and a savior that are steeped in love. We're already condemned in our sin. We, we don't need you to come and crush us. And so you come to save us and you do it in love and you do it in power. Lord, I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful that no sin is too great. 
No distance is too far. I'm thankful that as I sit here, my heart knows the, the grievous sins of my life. If I'll turn to you, you'll take them and you'll carry them. You'll do away with them. You'll chunk them into the sea of forgetfulness and they'll not come back because they're finished in you. Lord, I'm so thankful for that. I praise you for that. Lord, I come and I pray for those that don't know you. I pray for those that are carrying the weight of sin tonight and it's hard and it's heavy and maybe they've gotten good at, at pushing it down and hiding it, but, but it hurts when they sleep at night. Lord, I pray that tonight they would turn to you this minute. They would trust you for it. And they'd understand it's finished in you. Help them, Lord. Help them. Lord, I pray for us here that have trusted you. I pray that we'd be reminded of that. I pray, Lord, that we'd want to please you and honor you, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't try to act like we have to go back and earn something that you've already finished. I pray, Lord, that we'd be faithful to proclaim a, a gracious Savior to a lost world. Help us be faithful in that. And, Lord, I pray that in all of this, in your love and in your grace and in your kindness and in your forgiveness, that worship would well up to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We can't understand this, but we thank you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our time with a time of invitation, a time of response tonight. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, I want to tell you, you don't have to carry it any further. You don't have to carry it one step farther. Trust Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He'll save you tonight. He'll forgive you tonight. You say, oh, I don't... I don't know. Listen, he will save you tonight. Turn to Jesus. Bible says we've all sinned. We've all earned a punishment. Bible says God in his great grace sent his only begotten son, his one and only son. He goes to the cross and he pays for it there, settles it there, finishes it there, put him in a grave. Three days later, he walks out of the grave. He stands as the victor. The receipt is in his hand. The victor, the penalty's paid. The Bible says if we will profess that, turning and repenting of our sins, and we'll turn and profess him as Lord. He'll save us. Well, I haven't been in church enough. He'll save you tonight. Well, I don't know a bunch of verses. He'll save you tonight. Well, I, I don't know if I can beat that. Listen, he'll save you tonight. He'll save you tonight. Turn to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism after the point that you were saved by immersion. That's, that's what the New Testament model is. And so you come as well and say, well, I believe the good news. I, I've trusted Jesus. But I need to follow in believers' baptism and obedience to Christ that the world would see what I believe of Jesus. You come as well. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. And together we'll serve for his glory, upholding his word. Maybe tonight on this Wednesday night, you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come Pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about what will be done in just a moment. You pray for those that are making decisions. If God has spoken to you tonight, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.